Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1687. Today we're talking about classic MG cars. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm back across the pond again. My gosh, I've been over to the UK an awful lot the last three or four weeks. I'm in beautiful Adderley, a very small village, talking to a very cool guy who has uh, published a very nice book. His name is Ross Alkareshi. Ross, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am indeed. I've got my five-point harness secured, and I'm ready to go. All right. Well, if we're in an old MG, you might just need that. Those things can get a little (laughs) dicey, but they're certainly fun. Now, before I introduce you, would you share something with our listeners today that maybe most people don't know about you? Yeah, possibly. Looking at my surname, I'm actually Scottish. Uh, I I removed the mick from the front of it because I thought it sounded too Scottish. Well, you do have a bit of a Scottish accent there, which sounds wonderful. And I know with a very unique name, Alkareshi, Mikalshireshi, that's a tongue twister. That's, that's the one. That's the one. It sounds pretty good, though. I kind of like it. So, uh, yes, very yes. good. And, of course, sadly, uh, we just recently lost a great Scotsman, uh, Mr. Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery. So, yeah, our hat's off to him and what he's done for the— uh, automotive manly world of driving Aston Martins, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Well, let me give you a proper introduction, and then we're going to talk about this very cool book because it's very near and dear to my heart. Ross Alkareshi spent 12 years as a lecturer in sports and exercise science before realizing that students were even more demanding than an old jalopy that he ran in his spare time. That's pretty funny. In 2009, he turned motoring journalism and learned his trade as staff writer for Classic Car Magazine, also known as Thoroughbred and Classic Car outside of the UK. I've subscribed to that magazine for a long time. Today, he regularly contributes to a range of magazines, bringing the same high-tempo writing style to any subject, be it barreling over the Alps in a rally homogulation special. Easy (laughs) Easy for me to say, yeah, you think I couldn't speak English here. (laughs) Learning to drive a 1920s Bentley or interviewing racing icons. His newest book, though, is titled The Complete Book of Classic MG Cars. It's published by my good friends at Motorbooks, and it covers all the Mark's collectible production saloons and sports cars from pre-war to post-war convertibles. It's a really, really cool book. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Ross, but first a word from our valued sponsors. They make the show possible. Keep your seatbelts on. We're riding an MG today. We're going to have some fun. We'll be right back. Did you know the most damaging thing to your vehicle's interior is the sun? Those harsh UV rays damage your interior over time. They crack your dash, they fade the colors, and the heat makes getting into your favorite ride downright unbearable. My friends at Covercraft have the perfect solution for you. Their sunscreens are easy to use. They take seconds to install and remove and protect your vehicle while parked in the sun. They fold up easily and store away for those times you don't want to use your car cover. I have one for every one of my vehicles, and you should too. They come in a variety of colors and options, featuring an accordion design that makes unfolding and folding them 
a breeze. Want to give a gift that keeps on giving? Buy a Covercraft sunscreen for your family members and friends. They'll thank you for it every time they park their vehicle. They're custom made to fit almost any vehicle. Check out Covercraft.com for a huge number of styles, colors, and options. And here's something special from me here at Cars Yeah just for you. Use the code yeah 120 at checkout at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. Go to Covercraft.com and use the code Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout and you get 10% off. You can thank me later. Covercraft, they've got you covered. I found a new way to protect my vehicle. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collectibles of automobilia and automotive collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool automotive collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting us automotive enthusiasts since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. I did. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car and collectible insurance designed by collectors for collectors, just like you and me. All right, Ross, as we continue on this journey that's your life, and before we talk about the book, I'd love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that maybe has been instrumental in forming your life and your success. I like to say it's a great way to get the inspirational tires spinning here on Cars. Yeah, so Ross, take the wheel. Okay, I I think it would have to be, if you don't try, then you'll never know. Yeah, now how have you incorporated that into the many adventures in your life? Well, I was an educator, as you said in my introduction, and uh, I saw a job as a motoring journalist advertised in Classic Cars magazine, and I thought, well, you know, I, I like to write. So I've talked for a living for 12 years. You know, if I can get an interview, I'll, I'll have a blooming good chance of getting this job. So I thought, yeah, I'll go for it. Let's see what happens. So I, I submitted a portfolio. I got down to the last five. I got brought in for an interview. And I, I had a can of energy drink before I went in. And I talked the hind legs off the proverbial donkey. <laughs> On the journey home, I got told that I was down to the last three. I went in and did exactly the same. And they offered me the job, and you know, I, I could have, I could have been intimidated. I could have thought, you know, I, I was going up against, uh, you know, died in the wool motoring journalists. But I thought, no, if you don't try, you'll never know. Um, although I did email a friend after getting offered the job, and I emailed them and I said uh, I had to beat off 223 candidates to get the job. Uh, he emailed me back and said that was rather worrying that I had to do that. Was there any editorial training on the job? Um, luckily, there was, and the rest is history. Well, you know, it's a wonderful story. and you, you know, you're right. In life, so many people go through life doing the same thing over and over and over again, and they never take that bold step. And I always say to step out of your comfort zone is being on the edge of courage. It really is, and it's hard to do. But when you do it, you realize, hey, guess what? I can do that. Well, 
what else can I do? And I have a feeling that this journalism job of yours, based on my introduction, has taken you to some very cool, faraway places and some great adventures. So let's dive into this book because my regular listeners know that MGs are near and dear to my heart. That's what started it for me, my father's 49 MG TC, when I was a little lad, a wee lad, as you would say. Yes. I think I was about uh, five years old. So let's talk about this book because what's cool about it is it goes all the way back to the beginning to Cecil Kimber of Morris Garages when they formed MG and takes us all the way through the mark. So uh, why MG? And uh, we'll dive into some of the questions specifically about the book, but what got you so excited about this uh, this wonderful journey with the MG motor car? Well, I've, I've driven MGs, you know, over the, over the last 12 years, I've driven numerous different types, and uh, I've always come away with a, with a smile on my face. You know, I, I did 500 miles around the UK uh, in an MGB, and, you, you know, I owned its, its arch rival, uh, the Fiat 124 Spider. Um, and I'd always looked at the MG and thought, mm, I, I think, you know, I've, I've always had Italian leanings. But when I did those 500 miles, they were absolutely incredible. You know, it was just such an easy car to pilot. When I finished that journey, it ticked everything I needed a classic car to do. And I, th- I thought, you know, it was, a, it was a, a very good rival to the Fiat 124 Spider. So when the opportunity came to write the MG book, just delving into that incredible history, you know, as an offshoot of Morris Motors, and then becoming a mark in its own right through the racing 30s, becoming the world's best-selling sports car. It was just so rich and detailed. And then after that, MGA, MGB, MGC, MGBV, GTV8, that's easy for me to say. (laughs) It was just such an incredible, incredible uh, mark to delve in and and learn more about. I couldn't refuse uh, to do the book. It was just, you know, a a fantastic opportunity. Absolutely. And the MG, of course, after World War II, that was that sports car, that funny little sports car that the GIs brought back overseas with them and started running around the roads here in in the United States. And when you think about the cars that were on the roads here, the giant behemoths of the U.S. car, and they're these little fun little cars that then became race cars. And you think about some of the great racers that started in an MG. They'd pull the fenders off and go out and do rallies and tours and so forth. So got to let our listeners know this is about 240 pages. It's a hardcover book. There's over 300 colored photos and illustrations inside. It's one of those books that would be great for the upcoming holidays if you have a car buddy who loves MGs or any car, but it, it dives really deep. So Walk me through a couple things that you discovered when you were putting all this together and putting this book together. First and foremost, the beginnings and the whole idea of MG. Talk a little bit about that. Well, they started off with Cecil Kimber joined MG as a general manager, and he had his, his, his own set of ideas as to what could happen in terms of modifying the Morris cars. And, you know, it was a gradual process, but it, it took off, you know, it took off at a rate of knots. And he really drove that forwards. And to, to research that history was, you know, was incredible. And particularly the racing 30s, when the rate of change at MG was phenomenal. You know, they were producing bespoke road and racing machinery. By the end of writing that particular chapter, you do a little bit of research and you delve off in one direction and then you're off in the next direction. And, you know, I, I felt short of breath after reading, uh, after writing, <laughs> researching, writing that chapter. And then I still had, a, you know, I still had another another nine or ten <laughs> to write after that. Yeah, where do I go from here? The process was incredibly satisfying, you know, and I, I tried to 
Um, you know, these cars have been written about tens, hundreds of times, and I, I try to research, you know, in different directions and, you know, really try and, you know, f- find new meat to put on the, you know, on the bones of the MG story. That was my thought process. I, I wanted to bring something fresh, a fresh voice to the, the story of MG. Well, I think you did. What's interesting is I always think of MGs because of my limited knowledge with them. So many of these models of MG, and I learned about some interesting models, like the Y-Type. You look at that and go, okay, I've never even seen one of those. They kind of went to these saloon-type cars. I always think of them as only a sports car company. When you go back to their roots, is that what really initially started them? Because all those little MGAs and Ts and Cs and Ds and all these things were very small, little sporty cars. Was that their original focus? And how did that evolve into these bigger saloon cars that many of us in the U.S. have never even seen? Yeah, well, well the, I mean, the MG, they started with the, with the chummy, the chummy body, which they popped on the, on the Morris chassis. And, you know, it, it was unique in that... Um, Normally, the, the the rear passengers would sit in the dicky seat in the back, um, and they'd get wet. Whereas the chummy, the roof actually covered the whole car, so no longer did that happen. They then moved on to producing slightly larger cars, uh, but it was actually the it was the introduction of uh, the M type midget really that, that that set MG on its on, on its path through the forties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and 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 the sports car path. They were all they were always about their sporting wares. That was their their selling point. But the M type M type midget was the absolute game changer. You know, it, it was you know it retailed for not a lot of money at, at all at the time, and it just brought sports car ownership into you know a very affordable sphere it wasn't hugely fast but it felt like it was hugely fast and the handling was absolutely incredible um motorsport magazine in the uk was a, a you know one of the proponents um that sang its praises high and it just you know that really set the template for you know for the next 25 to 30 years of sports car you know motoring the the, the y type that you mentioned you know they produced these saloon cars but they were still you know and they're still accepted today as as sporting saloons so even though they're saloon cars they're accepted as sports cars and that's because the mg dna runs right through them absolutely now you you said the word fast and one of their sayings was uh, safety fast which i always found almost a little bit awkward to say it was like safety fast what are they talking about there where did that term come from (laughs) and why was it used well i think safety fast you know it was about the design of these cars and the fact that they were, you know, they were so they were so exciting to pilot. But the design was, you know, it was a thorough, well thought through design, and they played on that fact that these were sporting cars, but they were designed in such a way that they were safe to drive, if not on the limit, but mm, okay, approaching the limit. That play was. You know, it, it gave the impression that these were cars that could be driven fast, but at all times the design of them would allow that to be, you know, to remain safe. Sure. Okay. Well, now I have a different impression of that. That kind of makes more sense to me. I kind of thought that's what it was, but I don't know. There was something about, I think it's because you think of safe and fast don't, go, don't ever go together because uh, no, when you start no. going fast, you get a little bit out of control. Yeah. You know, I always ask my guests about challenges. What What were some of the big challenges you faced in Putting this whole book together, there's so much to it. I think the biggest challenge is where what to leave out because there's, you know, you have a, you have a set word limit, set page limit, but a, a huge portfolio of information to to work with, 
I would couple that also with trying to bring that fresh, you know, that fresh information. For example, in the MGA chapter, you know, you know the MGA twin cam, you know, suffered from well-known design issues that were rectified just as the model was pulled, and mm-hmm. um, the engine problem that it had was starting to be solved. Um, and and in the present day, it's the top, it's a range topper, topper that it always should have been. But with regards to that, I tried to think a little bit laterally and uh, did a bit of digging, and I found um, the Pico company in Liverpool, and uh, they offered a supercharging kit. And I'd never heard of them before, but the more I, I dug into it, the more I realised that you know they offered you know it was faster than the twin cam. I think it was about 0.2 or 0.3 of a second seconds faster, not to 60, and um, slightly higher top speed. But it was about a third of the price of the of, of the jump from from 1600 up to up to the twin cam. And I'd never heard of it before. But and, you know, if I'd never heard, I, I, I thought that perhaps some MG owners uh, perhaps have not heard of it either. So I, I went off in that route to do on that route route. I think you say in the US. <laughs> I went off in that route. We don't speak English very well over here. You guys really <laughs> do it much better than we do. <laughs> well I don't know. You're, you're talking to a Scotsman, so yeah that, that could be argued. Um <laughs> again I went down that route just to try and to find out something a, l- a little bit different, a little bit off off the cuff. You know, and it was interesting to I think I um, named that particular box out more go and less war. <laughs> which 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 was true. It was a third of the price. It was faster, and you know there were there were no there were no particular issues with it in terms of the mechanicals. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's got to be the biggest challenge for any author writing a book: is too much information, what to call out, what to keep in, and then are there any uh, unique idiosyncrasies of these cars to put in there? Having had this affair with MG to put this book together, is there one model that? taught you some things and maybe you have a new affection for that you didn't really think much about before you wrote the book? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, when you dive into these things and you're writing something, you start to learn things about cars. It's like going to a car show and thinking, I'm not interested yeah. in those. And then you stop and somebody starts telling you about them and you go, oh, maybe I am interested in those. That's kind of cool. I never knew that. You see them in a different way. Yeah, I think... Um I think, as I said, going back to the going back to the 1930s, my interest in classic cars is a product of you know my age and and the era in which I grew up. So I'm, my prime interest is in Valley homologation specials of the 70s, you know, the 80s. And I'd always heard about the, the pre-war MGs. I'd always heard how interesting they were and and how well regarded they were. But my knowledge of them was, you know, I had some knowledge, but it, it wasn't an in-depth knowledge. And I think when I researched that particular era, I didn't realise the, the length to which MG was going in terms of its, its design and its, its bespoke manufacture of parts. And it, again, it was only when I came to the end of that, I thought, well, the neck, they, they, they were, it was cutting edge, you know, it was absolutely cutting edge of the period. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no wonder that Len Lord pull the plug um, because they they had so many models they had so you know so much going on it was a constant stage of um, reinvention which doesn't lend itself well to profit making <laughs> um, yeah as I said once I looked into that particular you know it's a golden era of, of, of racing for the company and 
once I'd looked into that, I, it really did kind of blow my mind. So I, I had an inkling as to just how interesting they were and just how interesting the history of the company in that period was. But it was just an inkling. And by the end of it, yeah, my mind was completely blown. Yeah, I had a guest who lives in the UK, C.C. Muldoon, who has been around cars her whole life, mostly more sporty cars, uh, Italian cars and so forth. Yeah. But she recently added an MGA to her collection and has just fallen in love with it. The glorious. Yeah, she found the car in Spain and she just loves it to death. So uh, there you go. Sometimes it's good to step out of your normal zone, as I say, and into something yes. new and try something new and different. Yeah. yeah, well, let's take a short break and we come back. I want to talk about your personal passion for cars. I have a feeling you do like cars. So everybody keep your seatbelts on. We're going through jolly old England in an MG today. It's so much fun. We'll be right back. Let's take a pit stop from the conversation and talk about my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. One of those nonprofits is very near and dear to my heart because it's right down the road from the Cars Yeah headquarters. It's the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. One of the world's truly great automobile collections and one of those must-see bucket list destinations for car people like you and me. If you haven't seen it, I hope you make a trip soon. And if you have seen it, it's probably time to visit again. To learn more about this fantastic museum, go to www.americascarmuseum.org. And while you're there, you can donate to help them keep their engines running. That's www.americascarmuseum.org. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're a racer, and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, you found Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, all wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to talk about the 24. This wine earned 91 plus points from Robert Parker's Wine Advocate. It's a dark, spicy, and velvety blend with ripe blue and black fruits and very smooth tannins. The label features a three-dimensional full metal chronograph in a bright gold finish that pays homage to the Daytona Rolex winners received at Le Mans. The racing series is a fantastic gift for the ultimate enthusiast in your life. And I've got a deal for you today. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word, all in caps, when you're at the adoberoadwinery.com checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout to get $10 off your purchase of the racing series today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to Adobe Road Wines today and use the code CARSYEAH at checkout. Cheers! 
All right, we are back, Ross. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a bit of a car guy? Yeah, I'd, I'd always been, you know, you know, I collected the Hot Wheels cars and uh, I'd always been into cars. You know, I'd always flick through the magazines, but uh, I, I, th- I think it was um, when, it's, when it was set in stone for me. kind of coincided with when I started writing, actually. I, I wasn't much of a huge reader when I was younger, but around about the age of 14, 15, I, I really started to get a voracious appetite for reading, you know, reading car mags, reading, you know, reading novels, read, any any type of reading. And um, when I was, you know, 19, 20, that had kind of reached its, its height and... Uh, I was due. My brother, my brother's married to a girl from San Francisco, and he lives in Chicago now. But you know, he, he was a young lad then. He was over studying in the states, and uh, we'd made plans to travel. You know, for me to fly into New York, um, we'd buy a car for five hundred dollars. It's that kind of dream of buy a car for five hundred dollars and then drive east coast to west coast. Wow. Um, and I'd saved up the money for the trip, you know, because you, you, you grow up on all the tales of Route 66 and so on. Oh, yeah. and, uh, maybe we weren't going to do it in a, in a Cobra 289 <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, but, might be a little uncomfortable to drive a Cobra across the United States, too. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> but never, never say never. But yeah, not, and certainly not for $500, not, yeah. <laughs> not no. that. But I'd saved up the money, and um, but a month before we were due to do it, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd... Um, <laughs> I'm semi-ashamed to say, but I blew the money on a 1979 Fiat 124 Spider 2000. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what were you thinking? Well, it was, it, was, it was black with a tan hood and tan leather interior, and it was just such a glorious beast. Yeah. And as soon as I tested it, I thought, yeah, I'm having this. And I don't think my brother was incandescent. You know, I don't <laughs> think he forgave me. You know, he said, what about our plans? What about... So, I, you know, I, I collected him. He was up in Scotland seeing my parents, and I collected him from Gatwick. He flew down from Scotland. I collected him from Gatwick in the car, yeah. uh, which he wasn't pleased yeah, about. he didn't like that car. No, I then dropped him off at Heathrow to send him off across the pond. And um, I was obviously I wasn't going with him for the trip. And uh, as he got out, you know, he, he went into the the boot, the trunk in your parlance. He went into the trunk and got his bag and he walked off. He went about 10 steps, turned around, looked at me and went, yeah, cool car, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. From that point, yeah, that was it. It was set in stone. There you go. Well, that was nice. What are brothers for? Now, have you owned an MG in your life? I haven't. Yeah, no, I haven't. I've driven many. I've uh-huh. driven many, and I've got lots of friends that have owned them. Owned MGs. As, as I said, my uh, my kind of leanings have been more towards the Italian side of things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't. Was that car you mentioned your first really special car, or has there been another car in your life that really stood out for you? Well, that was the Taster. That was the Taster. Uh, And then the specialist that looked after that car for me, he had one of his old cars uh, coming into the workshop, and he said, said, come in and try it and see if you like it. And obviously he was throwing his fishing rod out, and uh, he he caught me hook, line, and sinker. (laughs) And it was a 1979 Fiat 124 Abarth Stradale. Uh, the rally and special you know a beautiful 
brutal, lightweight beast. It was just a, you know, absolutely glorious red coach work with black bonnet and boots, um, <laughs> and it was just, yeah, it was magnificent. And as soon as I, as soon as I test drove it, yeah, I had to have that was the car. He was he, he hooked you good. Yeah. Well, I always ask my guests if they were manifest as a vehicle, what kind of vehicle they would be. I'm going to mix this question <laughs> up for you a little bit here, Ross. Since we're talking about MGs today and this marvelous book that you wrote, if you were manifest as an MG, which model would Ross be? Uh, <laughs> okay. You've, you've, you've got me here. You've got me. That's good. You've you know, this, is, this question usually trips people up a little bit, but it, it makes you think, which is good. And since you dove so deep into MGs, I'm just thinking maybe there was one model that really kind of you latched onto for some reason that you kind of went, that kind of, I like that. That's me. It would have to be an MGA, I think. An yeah, MGA. definitely MGA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? In my eyes, it's the most beautiful MG that mm. was constructed. Uh, it's got that double sweep kind of side profile. Yes. It's just, yeah. you know, I can't see one. I can't walk past one without without thinking. That, yeah, if I was to have a car from from that era, then it would be it would definitely be an MG. But it, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a fresh out of the showroom MGA. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a I'm a pretty boy by any means. <laughs> you know, it definitely wouldn't be. Out, fresh out of the showroom, you know, it would be after lots of high-speed um, okay. shenanigans, yeah, long continental journeys. It would be a bit, it would be a bit kind of, you know, it would be it would be fairly well used, you know, so that the undercarriage would be thoroughly pebble dashed. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, the bodywork would still be exquisite, but it'd be it'd be shown its blooming age, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Power plant would still be peppy and perky. Um, but perhaps it would it would be in need of tune up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be me in car form, definitely. So it would it would still be delivering, but yeah, maybe not maybe not as it did in its brain. <laughs> well, I like the way you answered that. That's very nicely done. The first MGA I ever drove was a twin cam. I was involved in a photo shoot, and the owner had just had it restored. The car was actually wrecked pretty badly in a flood it was covered in almost buried in mud from a flood it had been in a garage and they drug it out of the dirt and put it all back together it was a beautiful red car with the twin cam motor it was great fun to drive and i'd never driven one before and i thought you know this is really neat i like this and i i love that double sweep as you mentioned yeah yeah, yeah they're pretty really pretty little cars all right ross we are entering the last lap i'm gonna fire off some questions get some quick blips of that mga throttle from you so here we go what's one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes in life oh, my wife would say in a minute uh, I think she was saying that with a bit of sarcasm, but she's probably <laughs> right. But I like to think that it allows for quality rather than quantity. Ah, I like that. Very nicely said. Uh, we'll remind her <laughs> next time she's waiting on you. <laughs> if you could have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Oh, there's a question. I think it would have to be the legendary German racing driver, uh, Joachim Maas. It would, it would just be because I, I interviewed him once when he was in his kitchen uh, making a ragu. Really? He was just thoroughly engaging. You know, he's a thoroughly engaging gentleman. He had a wry sense of humor. He was very humble. And I can, you know, I, I, I completed the interview and I can remember thinking, oh, he'd be great to share a beer or two with. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You got to interview him while he was cooking. You know, the, 
yeah. the local Porsche club here in the U- U.S. has a publication called Panorama. And in the most recent edition, the great endurance racer Hurley Haywood, they have uh, uh, several pages of him, pictures of him cooking, making a cheese souffle and his famous recipe. And I thought, what a fun thing to do. You know, it takes yeah. the it takes the driver out of the normal situation we see him in and puts him in this more personable situation. So yeah. that must have been marvelous. What a fortunate situation to be in. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was, was the incredible. ragu any good? Did you get to taste any of it? Well, I could hear, I could hear them, uh, I could hear them tasting it, and it sounded pretty good. <laughs> it sounded pretty good. There you go. Uh, how about when it comes to automotive advice? Any kind of advice relating to automobiles that someone else has ever offered you, you found very valuable. What would that be? This is advice that I've had from from a first editor at Classic Cars magazine, Phil Bell. Uh, but I've, not just from him. I've had it from you know specialists, from other you know from owners that I've interviewed, um, and it's it's a recurring piece of advice, and it's drive as many examples of a classic car as you can before buying one. Mm. Um, because you can buy a car that's been so thoroughly restored that it squeaks when you sit in it. Um, but then you can sit in, you know, the never been, you know, a car that's never been apart and is gloriously original. And it just has that certain je ne sais quoi, you know, that just, just, it just feels exquisite. And that's always stuck with me you know, drive as many examples of a classic because you don't know, you know, if you buy the first one that you that you go and see, you don't know how others compare to that and you're only ever going to know that example. Uh, Having said that, of course, I've always bought the first car, the first classic (laughs) car. You've never listened to that advice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's really good advice. I've talked to so many people who've had dreams of buying a car that they wish they'd had when they were a kid, but they couldn't afford it. And they finally are in a place they can afford it. They buy some shiny new example and they get in and drive it and they go, this isn't anything Mm. like I thought it would be. And you're right. Not all old cars drive the same. Some are great. Some are not so great. So uh, yeah, go out and really do your homework and drive as many as possible. Plus you get all those wonderful experiences, which is pretty cool as well. Now, how about a resource? There's so many for us these days. Is there a great resource you might uh, steer our listeners towards? Um, oh, hmm. I, I have to think about this one. I, I'm, I'm very aware of uh, where my, you know, where my bread is buttered. So, well, we can um, certainly, uh, certainly mention those guys. <laughs> well, there's an there's an online auction website in the UK that I write for called TheMarket.co.uk. Um, and it always has a you know a great selection of classic cars up for sale, and I think that that would be particularly useful uh, for for your listeners over in the states um, when the dollar ex- pound exchange rate favours uh, your side of the pond. So mm-hmm. that's definitely one to look at. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's so many, and with this year with COVID and so forth, uh, the online auction business has just exploded, and yes. we're seeing some very very high end cars being sold to people that aren't there to see them. I know they do a lot of research and there's people that can do these kinds of things but boy it's really changed the game and i think when we all come out of this covid situation uh we'll see there's all sorts of new opportunities for many many people to do these kind of things so there we go the market now how about a book now obviously we're going to mention the complete book of classic mg cars by my friends at motor books uh steve roth is so kind to bring me so many great people so we're going to put that on the list are there any other books that you would like to mention maybe one or two maybe books you've written um well this is my first book actually this is this is my first book there um, you go so well then you you hit it out of the park satisfied. my friend <laughs> yeah so so I was going to, you know, I'd had, you know, I'd, I'd had a think about uh, what what I'd possibly mentioned while I was on air, and uh, 
I, wa- I was going to say The Complete Book of Classic MG Cars by yours truly. <laughs> a scintillating journey through the history of this seminal British sports car manufacturer. Um, uh, doesn't sound too rehearsed, does it? <laughs> you did a nice job. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's others. I, I, you know, I, I love reading about classic cars. Um, yeah. I, I love... I, but, you know, I, I've got... Um, in front of me, I've got the 1998 to 1999 Classic Car Buyer's Guide by Bayview Books. You know, and it's, it's like it's every classic car, every post-war classic car under the sun. And it just, it's got snippets of, you know, maybe 50 to 75 words, some specifications. And, you know, that's my Bible in terms of when it comes to classic cars. That's my first go-to book. But, you know, by the same token, I, I can quite happily sit with a beer in the evening and flick to a car and just uh, read a bit more about it. I like to flick to my cars as well, the ones I've owned and the ones that I currently own. And it's always good to read what, what they say about those. So yep. anything, to do with, anything to do with classic cars and driving them, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a happy boy. Absolutely. And I'll make sure I also put a link here on Ross's show notes page to Quarto Group and Motor Books because, as I said, They've sent me so many great authors, and there's so many wonderful books. And I always say, in the holiday season, you know, buy your car chums uh, a great car book. It's something they'll have on their shelf forever. They can go back to forever. My library uh, is so full, and it's so much fun. I always say, you know, when I can't get in a car and drive anymore, I'm just going to sit back and read about all these cool cars. So uh, I'll still have some fun. You'll find everything on Ross's show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Ross. And I'm going to spell his last name, A-L-K-U-R-E-I. I-S-H-I, Al-Kirish, and, uh, Al-Kirishi, and, or if you want to put the muck on the front, but we'll keep it without <laughs> that. <laughs> you might not find much. All right, Ross, we're up to the checkered flag here, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector car today, my friend, something very cool to keep at your home there, but it's got to uh, tick all the boxes. I want this to be something that you'll go out and drive and that you enjoy. But there's another rule here that makes this a little more difficult. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. So it's a keeper, and it's the only one cool collector car that you can have. So it needs to be kind of special. So what am I going to buy you today, Ross? It's like winning the lottery, isn't it? Oh, yeah. This Um, is lottery time here at Cars. Yeah, I do it every day for all my guests. I'm that kind of a guy. (laughs) You're very kind, very kind chap. Thank you. Okay. Over the last 12 years, having driven Exotica, you know, Ferrari 275 GTBs, mm. having driven on Exotica, you know, Austin Allegro's and the like, mm-hmm. and having driven everything in between, it'd have to be a 1973 Fiat 124 Abarth Stradal. The hard top comes off, glorious handling, free revving engine, devilish noise, Fiat running costs, which is important for a Scotsman. Um <laughs> Two sets of golf clubs and two trolleys behind the roll cage, so it was absolutely perfect. I know perhaps I should I should say an MGA, given the given the, the book that's about to come out on seventeenth of November. Yeah, but it, it would be that car. You know, I always come back from road tests and I, I come back come back and drive that, and I think this does everything. You know, this does absolutely everything I I, I needed to do. There is one caveat there. Yeah. Yes, I sold it five years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, then you're going to get one back today. So that that's, ah. you know, no problem. You know, happy, 
Yeah, this is interesting, Ross, because uh, what I like is a man who knows what he likes and is not swayed away by just something that's maybe outlandish or expensive or super valuable. You know what you love, and that's what you love, and that's what's great about you, Ross. So I think that's pretty darn cool. Now, is there a color you'd like that thing to be? Uh, Yeah, red and black. Have to be red and black. Back to the red and black, yeah. Near and dear to your heart. Well, you know what? You'll be one of the cheapest dates I've had here on Cars, yeah, but that's okay. (laughs) We'll we'll have some fun driving through the countryside in that 73 Fiat Abarth Stradal. That's a marvelously beautiful little car. You're going to have a lot of fun in that thing. And, uh, you know, I have no doubt you'll have one back in your garage one of these days. You have taken me on a very fun ride today, my friend. It's been great. Thank you for sharing your story. And this wonderful new book, The Complete Book of Classic MG Cars. Can you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before I let you run off into the countryside in that 73 Fiat? Yeah, you know, as I said before, I was an educator before before going into uh, motoring journalism. And uh, I was told at school by the head of English, uh, I was told to stick to math and science uh, because I was good at those. So... You know, the implication being that I wasn't very good at English, but, uh, you know, I'd always say if someone says you can't do something, don't believe them. Absolutely. Great advice. Now, is there a way for people to keep up with you? Are you active out there in social media or where they can find more about you? Yeah, well, if, if your listeners buy British car mags, so uh, Classic and Sports Car, Classic Cars Magazine, Octane, Practical Classics, uh, then you'll see a lot of my work. I'm in negotiations for my second book, which uh, may be uh, something more Italian in flavor, possibly. Cool. Uh, I have a website as well, rossalkareshi.com. Awesome. I'll make sure I put links to all those on Ross's show notes page so you can keep up with this guy. And again, this is a really, really beautiful book. It's one of those coffee table type books. And I don't mean that in the way that it's just full of pretty pictures. It's got a lot of really great information. It's huge. It's heavy. It's wonderful. It'll make a great gift this holiday season. And it just came out. So there you go. Ross, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing some fun chatting with me today. Until you and I talk again, my friend. I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH. For buy, sell, hold, that's code BSH, and you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right, $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yow for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? 
If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars Yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!